You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. All the feels. <laughs> I got so many different emotions racing through my head today. And so today is Memorial Day weekend. And um, it's not a holiday weekend. It's a time to remember. It's okay to barbecue and to celebrate. And this is something, had I not been... Uh, in the in the veteran community, I wouldn't have known, so I'm not going to assume that everybody knows. But there is a distinct difference between Memorial Day and Veteran Day. Memorial Day is to recognize the pri- the ultimate price that was paid by the blood of others, so that we can have our independence and our freedom. It's a time that we remember their sacrifice. And Veterans Day is a time that we honor those um, who have served or are continuing um, to serve. And, you know, a lot of words get thrown out around Memorial Day and even Veterans Day, one of those words being honor. And, you know, I've run into many people and they ask the question, well, how can I truly honor those that have paid the ultimate price and the sacrifice? And, and to them, I would just say this, we honor those that have gone before us that have paid the ultimate price by refusing to live small lives for fighting for the freedoms that they once stood for, to recognize that they're not just automatic, and to lay our lives to serve one another. America is flawed. America is problematic, but she is worth fighting for. And I refuse to allow their sacrifice to be given in vain. And it hits close to the heart because I've buried men that served alongside me. And so I feel I am indebted to them. And so the way that I can help somehow pay that debt is by refusing to give in to my fears, insecurities, anxieties, and depression, and by showing up each and every single day and trying to advance the kingdom of God. And that is my word to you today. And so I just love Johnny Cash first and foremost. And I love that rendition of Ragged Old Flag. On the, on, at the same time, today is Pentecost Sunday. And I'm not going to assume that any of you maybe understand what that is. I know that we're coming from all different backgrounds. And so I'm going to take the next few minutes to kind of unpack that and the significance and the relevance that that holds in the church today. Now, we are unapologetically a Holy Spirit-filled and Holy Spirit-led church. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost Sunday represents the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and the followers of Jesus in that upper room, only numbering 120. And the word Pentecost comes from the Greek word Pentecosti, which I'm probably butchering, which means 50th, referring to the fact that today is exactly 50 days after each Easter, which represents the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, the Jews celebrated the Feast of the Harvest, which is mentioned in Exodus 23, Exodus 24, Leviticus 16, Numbers 28, and Deuteronomy 16. We're going to do a little teaching today, okay? It represented the first weeks of harvest. So these festivals, it represented the first weeks of the harvest, the first fruits. 
and ultimately the foreshadowing of things to come. When the Holy Spirit descended upon those 120, Peter runs out and preaches this message and the harvest resulting in 3,000 people coming to Christ that day Peter preached. This is the same Peter that just a couple of weeks earlier had denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times, even using vulgarity. And he was a fisherman, so you knew Peter really knew how to swear. It wasn't just one of these layup ones. It was like the big ones, you know, the kind you hear at truck stops. Um, and I just want to say this, that some of you may have stumbled this week. Some of you may have even fallen but like Peter, I want to encourage you to get back up because God is not done moving in and through you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a reward for good behavior. The Holy Spirit is a gift to those who turn to Jesus and wait on him. You know, John the Baptist prophesied about this day. In Matthew 3.11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now he's speaking of Jesus. And he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus affirmed John the Baptist's words in John 14, 26, when he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, so there's no confusion there, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. Many theologians and scholars refer to Pentecost Sunday today as the birth of the church. The moment when the Holy Spirit empowered them to be able to spread the gospel. You know, you can't land on the page, a page in the Gospels where you don't find Jesus' name. And the same is true of the rest of the New Testament. You can't land on a page where you don't hear about somehow the Holy Spirit. And so again, I want to take these next few moments because I know that we come from different church backgrounds. And for some of you, this may be the very first time you've ever even heard Pentecost Sunday. And you may have a whole lot of things swilling around in your head about regarding the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take this next few minutes to really introduce him to you through the Bible. Okay? And first and foremost, to do that, I want to make this distinction. That the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. Okay? Do you know how many times I've heard the Holy Spirit referred to as an entity? In a, in a, or, or, a, or a thing, or a dove, or fire, or power. This is how they refer to the Holy Spirit, but they're truly missing it. And I think that many of these notions of the Holy Spirit, where people have it wrong, come from the church. So I want you to forget all of those Sunday school classes where you had the flannel graph. Who remembers flannel graphs? Okay, and you took out the dove, which represented the Holy Spirit, or the fireball that represented the Holy Spirit, or the wind gust that represented the Holy Spirit, which were all based off of Scripture, but are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a dove. He isn't a tornado. He isn't Dragon Ball Z. Okay, 
the Bible says, and this is where people get it. So we're going to go ahead and break down um, this fallacy. It says, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Okay, so that's scripture. So people make a flannel graph of a dove. And then when people think of the Holy Spirit, they think of that dove. But I want to say something. He descended like a dove. It didn't say he was a dove. You could be strong as an ox. That doesn't make you an ox. You can run as fast as a deer. That doesn't make you a deer. He was describing how the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Going further, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Look at the word like. Suddenly a sound like a blowing wind. The Holy Spirit wasn't the wind. Okay, we don't, we don't bow and worship wind. We don't bow and worship fire. We don't bow and worship um, a doves, okay? So the, in the next scripture, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They saw what seemed to be. These guys are doing their best to, to explain what they're witnessing. But we're not bowing down, nor does the Holy Spirit look like a fireball. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a person. And let me just say this. I know that all of us can, t- can attest to going into some church meeting, some tent meeting, some conference, and we saw some pretty whacked out, wild, and weird stuff. Raise your hand if you've seen some weird, wild, and whacked out stuff. Okay, let me just say this. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Those people would be weird. Those people would be weird if they were playing cards. Those people would be weird if you were at a baseball game. They're just weird. So don't pin that on God. Pin that on those people. It's like when people say, well, the church, you know, hurt me. The church didn't hurt you. Some people hurt you. And no one has been more hurt by the church than Jesus himself because they were ultimately the ones that put him on the cross. Is anybody here today? Okay, so don't make these generalizations. The Holy Spirit is not weird. The Bible describes him as a person. And just so you know, I went ahead and threw all these scriptures down. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He comforts. He speaks. In fact, he speaks clearly. He teaches. He can be grieved. He can be insulted. He can be resisted. Gosh, I've been in that category, resisting the Holy Spirit. And he can be lied to. Second thing I want to share is that we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 16, 7, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now I want to, I just want to paint the backdrop of this story. The disciples had walked with Jesus for three years. They had heard every single word he had shared. They had witnessed with their own two eyes, every single miracle he had performed. They had been empowered to go and perform the same miracles that they had witnessed Jesus. And now Jesus is killed, but he, he rises from the dead and he's with them. And you think now is the time that we conquer the world. Now is the time that we spread the gospel. And Jesus says this to them in Acts 1-4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. 
So if anyone was positioned to be able to advance the gospel, it was the disciples. Yet Jesus says, you are not ready. Go and wait. Wait until he comes. And in John 14, 17, Jesus says, you know him for he dwells with you. He will be in you. He says, I have spoken to you while I am with you. The takeaway here is that we can actually walk closer with the Holy Spirit than we, can, than we could have with Jesus. If Jesus Christ were still here today, if he did not ascend to heaven, every single one of us would want to talk to him, right? But you know what? We'd have to get in a line. And Jesus would probably have to go to the bathroom. He'd probably have to sleep, right? So we'd have to give him a little bit of time. But then guess what? Everybody outside of this room would probably want to talk to him too. And so just think about how long it would take. But the beauty and what Jesus was referring to when he said, it's better for you that I should go, is he knew that he would, God the Father would be sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit could have 7.5 billion conversations all at the same time, no language barrier. And so he doesn't get tired. He's up at night. He's up early in the morning. He's with us everywhere that we go. And this is where I'm pushing against that stigma of many people refer to the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit fell, the Holy Spirit power. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Yes, he empowers us, but it's important that you walk away with this revelation and this truth. Now, let me just paint this. Many would, will probably say when hearing that, yeah, I knew that the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Godhead. I get that. I understand that. He's a person. Now, you may say that backed into a corner, but if you, if you look at your life, if you examine your life, do you treat him as such? Let's just say that we were going to head to um, game seven, okay, of the Celtics versus the Heat. First of all, if you don't believe in miracles, okay, 0.01 seconds left, he is a, still a God of miracles, okay? There's a game seven, Celtics still have a shot here. But if we were gonna go to that game and I picked you up, and you got in the car and it didn't say one word to me. That would be weird, right? That would be absolutely insane. How many of us get in the car and we don't say one word to the Holy Spirit? How many of us get up and don't say one word to the Holy Spirit? How many of us go throughout the day? The Holy Spirit's with us everywhere they go. He can never leave nor forsake us. And we don't say one word acknowledging his presence in our life. So again, yes, on paper, if you were to give me a test, I would tell you that the Holy Spirit is a person, but I certainly do not live my life like that. So basically, I am ignoring him and everywhere that I go. And I want to say this, that I believe the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the church. But you know what? There's nothing new under the sun because the Israelites had a really hard time with the Father. And then when Jesus is here, all the religious people had a really hard time with him. And now that the Holy Spirit is here and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, people want to walk away from him. It's like whatever person of the Godhead is in direct relationship with man is the one that we're like, well, can we have Jesus back? Well, can we have the Father back? This Jesus guy is, is, is wrecking my theology. And now the Holy Spirit's here. Do you understand what I'm saying? You stack what I'm splitting, dude. I never heard that one, okay? So we can have this intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul walked so closely with the Holy Spirit that he said this. In 2 Peter 3.16, he writes, 
This is Peter speaking of Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard for me to understand. So here's Peter who heard every word that Jesus had to share, who witnessed every miracle. He's reading the writings of Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, who never met Jesus on this side of eternity. And Peter is saying, man, these things are hard for me to understand because Paul walked so closely with the Holy Spirit. And again, look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I'm going to take the next few minutes to kind of unpack this because I want the communion of the Holy Spirit to be with each and every single one of you. So communion in the Greek is koinonia. And many people ask, you know, well, what does that word mean? And I'll just break it out into three. It's fellowship, partnership, and intimacy. We are invited into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead, through fellowship, partnership. That means he's going to come alongside us in the things that he's called us to do. And intimacy. That means he's going to show us things that we wouldn't have seen had we not inclined our ear to hear from him. Okay, so what does that look like? I'll just go ahead and break each one down. Let's talk about fellowship first. Acts 20, 22 said, Now I am going to Jerusalem. This is Paul. And drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering are ahead. Now that's, that's a hard thing for the Holy Spirit to tell you. And I hope that some of you aren't going to have to go there, but the reality is Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. And I think you can just turn on your television set to see that things are getting ramped up and we're not going to necessarily be the popular ones. Okay. And you have to just settle that with the Lord. There is a cost to following Christ. Okay. And so here is, and there's nothing new under the sun because here's Paul at the birth of the church dealing with these things. But notice what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city. That means Paul is traveling from city to city and he's talking to the Holy Spirit in and traveling to each city. He's walking in close fellowship with him. He's not having this one moment in his life that he looks back on when I was 31. The Lord spoke to me and I haven't heard from him since. Because you know what? Let's be honest. Many people say, does God still talk to people? Does God still, you know, like, does he speak to people? Here's Paul saying that he heard from the Holy Spirit throughout his walk. And what God, God is no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he'll do for another. God will speak to you if you incline your ear to hear his voice. And I got to tone it down a bit because I lost my voice last week. Last week was a, man, that was, that was a message, dude. But um, secondly, I want to look at partnership, okay? So the Bible says in Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So again, here's Paul saying like he's thinking about making a decision and he says it seems right and then he consults the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit said yeah you know I have a, I, this, this is good 
So he's going back and forth. In my natural eyes, this looks good. And then I consulted the Holy Spirit and he affirmed this. This is how closely he is walking with the Holy Spirit. And I share this because if Paul walked this closely with the Holy Spirit, that means you and I can walk this closely with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear from the Lord. I want to hear from God concerning all the things that he has in my life, personal, uh, financial. I want to hear from the Lord. I want his insight. I'm not really interested in my insight. I want his insight because he's the one that penned every moment of my life before a single day has passed. So my destiny, my calling, the dreams that God has placed on the inside of my heart, I want to walk in the fullness of that. But I don't necessarily know what that looks like. So I have to listen to him. And you ever notice in the world, everything's vying for your attention? They say that the average individual gets bombarded with 21,000 marketing campaigns, be that a billboard, social media, uh, you know, a newspaper. So everybody's vying for your attention. And it's really easy to get lost. In fact, I'll give you one more example about hearing the Holy Spirit because people are like, struggle with this. I don't hear from God. Right now, I just have to use this analogy, but everybody can relate to having a television and antenna. Remember that when we had a television and an antenna? And when you had that antenna, okay, you could get any channel that was out there, right? But without that antenna, you couldn't get it. So ESPN right now is in this room, okay? Not in a weird spiritual way, like, <laughs> but it's here. And, but we're not watching it, Right? But if I were to grab a TV and an antenna, okay, going back to the 80s, um, and we had the antenna, we would be able to get ESPN. Does that make sense? Well, the Holy Spirit is here right now. Okay, but do we have our antennas up to listen? That is the question, and that is our responsibility, and that is what Paul is demonstrating and modeling for us. Okay, I want to talk about that. Lastly, intimate. One of the biggest questions I hear from believers is, how do I know that I'm hearing from the Lord? How do I know that I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit? In Acts 8.26, it says this, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the roads which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this is Philip, and he said, An angel of the Lord came to me. Then in Acts 8.29, he says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. Philip, in this portion of scripture, heard from an angel and heard from the Holy Spirit and was able to make the distinction between both of those voices. So Luke, okay, I know I'm throwing a lot of names at you, which is one of my pet peeves when like somebody tells you a story and you have no frame of reference and they're like, oh, you know, Stan, Stan, who's married to Jan, you know, Jan, she works at Japan. And you're just like, dude, I don't know any of these people. Just get to the point of the story. But there's a point in understanding these names. Luke wrote Acts. Okay. So Luke is going to Philip and saying, okay, so Philip, you heard from an angel and then the angel told you to go overtake the chariot. And Philip goes, no, 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 no. That's not how it went down. I heard from the angel and then the Holy Spirit told me to go overtake. So he's making the distinction. Now, some of you are like, dude, I would know if an angel or a demon or God or the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Like, how the heck am I supposed to be able to distinguish and discern between those voices? I actually think I'd probably be committed because I'm crazy. I'm hearing all of these voices. But 
It's not as complex as you actually think that it is. I think we overanalyze this and we make it a bigger issue than it needs to be. Let me give you an example. So let's just say there's 150 people in here today, okay? If we were to go in the foyer and there's like 75 women, okay? And everybody's talking at the same time, not yelling, but talking, okay? And my wife was talking. The minute she started talking, I would be able to say, that's Jess. That's Jess's voice. I don't know some of your voices that well, but I know Jess's voice because I have 16 years invested in her. And we've had many conversations and we talk at night and we talk in the morning and we talk when we're mad at each other and we talk when we're passionately in love with each other and can't keep our hands off each other. We have gone through everything under the sun and we know each other's voice. And so throw 150 people in the room, blindfold me and spin me around like pin the tail on the donkey. And as soon as my wife starts talking, I can tell you where she is. Why? Because I walk closely with her, because I'm intimate with her, because I spend time with her and I can discern her voice between someone else's. These guys, these disciples walk so closely with the Holy Spirit that they were able to discern when an angel was talking to them and when, when the Holy Spirit was talking to them. And so can you. The more time you spend, the easier it is going to be for you to be able to hear his voice. But and that's a big old but, okay? How many of you know that there's a cost to intimacy? If I'm talking with other girls, watching things that I shouldn't be watching, it's going to deteriorate intimacy. This is why. Ephesians 4.20 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That word grieve comes from the Greek word lupte, which means to deep sorrow and distress. So lupe is a pain that can only be experienced by two people who deeply love each other. Which is why, okay, because the Holy Spirit invites us into this intimacy, but you have to understand the price and the cost that comes along with that relationship. It says in Ephesians, here's the warning. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as types of evil behavior. This is good marriage advice as well, because these things will put distance between you and the Holy Spirit. And it will be harder for you to hear his voice. So I'm just going to be honest, okay? Something, I listen to a lot of secular music, okay? And when I listen to a lot of secular music, even though I don't, Jess is always like, did you just hear the words to that? And I'm like, no, I'm just listening to the beat. She's like, those are really, really bad words, okay? When I go on a fast and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to anything like, there's a tenderness that grows inside of my spirit. And it's easier for me to hear God. And when I, when I develop that tenderness, I can lose it too. Because then when I, when I hear that music, it's, it's kind of abrasive, and so I want to put myself in a position where these things, I, I, I don't have any need of them. Even if they're not sin, I just want them out because I want to be so sensitive that I hear the Holy Spirit throughout the day. And just like, like I'm not going to look at pornography because I want all of my passion towards my wife. Okay, I'm not going to do these certain things because I don't want anything to get in the way of that. And so the same is true of God. There are things that get in our way. 
Okay, and I'm not saying this to punish anyone. I'm not saying this to heap any kind of condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ. But to say, these are irritants. And we have a responsibility to get them out so there is a sensitivity. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is a gift. This is a relationship. This is an intimate relationship that every single one of us have been invited into. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up here and I'm going to ask you to stand. I just machine gun preachered a lot of scriptures at you. But at the end of the day, I want you to walk away with this truth. That the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. And he is the one on earth interacting with you. Leading you and guiding you into all truth. Francis Chan said this, speaking of the church. The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Spirit of God. None of you are here for the worship, for our slick videos, for my teaching. You're here because your spirits recognize the presence of God. And we're all coming together to seek after him, to learn something new in his book, to come together and to worship and to praise him, to come together and to pray and intercede on behalf of the things regarding the future. Here's what I want you to walk away with. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He's exactly like Jesus, so you can speak and listen to him. He's called alongside us to coach us in our life and our walk with God. He desires to have an intimate, intimate fellowship with you. He desires to show you the deep things of God. He wants to reveal things to you. He wants to show you things. He wants you to come to him. He is your partner. Where he is, there you will find freedom. Freedom from your restless thoughts. Freedom from the addictions that hold you in bondage. In his presence is fullness of joy. Don't seek more of the spirit. Rather seek how you can give more of yourself to him. My earnest desire and prayer for all of you is that we don't just learn about the Holy Spirit. I gave you a, you know, a fire hydrant introduction. But my hope is that it stirred something on the inside of you to make space in your life to hear his voice. To say, to make little minor decisions in your life that will have ramifications and add up by saying, on my ride to work, I'm not going to listen to 105 TOS, the mountain of pure rock and roll. I'm just going to spend time trying to hear God's voice. Or I'm going to wake up early and this is, I'm going to have a devotion. I'm going to read one scripture and then I'm going to invite God to reveal to me what that scripture means and how it applies to my life. And I'm just going to start there. And if you start with baby steps, You'll begin to hear his voice clearer and clearer and clearer. And you'll get to the point where you'll be able to, in, in, a, in a sea of people, be like, that's the Holy Spirit.
Because how many of us have wrestled, is that God? Is that me? Is that the devil? Is that, you know, and we're wrestling with this and the enemy loves to have you in that position because it'll delay your obedience, right? He wants you questioning what God said. That's what he did back in the garden, right? Well, did he really say not to eat from that tree? That's his MO. So the more time you spend in God's word, the more time you spend in his presence, the more time you spend seeking the Holy Spirit, the more familiar his voice will be with you. The more things he will begin to share with you, the closer you'll be. And you'll be able to have eyes to see the schemes of the enemy coming from a mile away. And be able to laugh and scoff and say, I would never believe that. That's not, that's not God. And I want, God wants that for you. I want that for you. So let me just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. I thank you for Pentecost Sunday. I thank you that you sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit who promises to be with us, to lead us into the future. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate to, to us things that are just taking up space, that are dead weight in our life. Maybe it's the sins of our past. Maybe it's addictions or lies that we believe somewhere along the journey of our life and that we would be able to let go of those things to embrace your freedom and your truth. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to say two things. Number one, we do not have growth track today. I am so sorry about that. But secondly, um, Run after him. Don't let this be another service. I've sat under so many sermons, and you know what? I couldn't tell you a half of them were. But there were some that, that got a hold of my heart, and there was an action behind them. Take action on these words. Not for me, not for the pines, but for you. Take action on these words and take a step. And the Bible says the most beautiful scripture, one of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Who draws first? We do. There's something that we do that causes the creator of heaven and earth to come closer to us. And it's not some magical step of faith. It's one step and God will meet you with that one step. Amen? All right, until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.